Pastor Robin, take your Bibles, if you would, this morning, turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 this morning. Mark chapter 10, and we'll start with verse 35. I love the Word of God. It's better than honey and sweeter than the honeycomb. That's a lot to say for a Baptist. We Baptists like to eat. I've seen all you eat. I know you. You do like to eat. But I love the word of God because it's food just helps you for a little while. But spiritual food is with you forever. There's only two things that are going to last forever, and that's the, the souls of men and the word of God. Everything else is going to be gone. Now, we're going to get to eat in heaven, amen? Some heavenly manna, some heavenly, some angel food cake, some real good food. But we, we won't have to worry about Weight Watchers up there, amen? Won't have to count any calories. Y'all should be shouting for joy or something up here, praising God, man. No more diet pills or potions. Amen. So glad for the, so glad for the word of God. It's always perfect. Mark, Mark chapter 10, and let's start in verse 35 this morning. Mark chapter 10 and verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? And they said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. And Jesus said unto them, You know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that, that I drink of? And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. And with the baptism that I am baptized with all shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. When the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. And Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, You know that they which are counted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you, for whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this privilege to be in your house, to privilege to have this perfect, providentially provided for scripture for us this morning that we can read and study and meditate on and now preach. We thank you that it is perfect. But Father, there's so many books in the world that offer help, but there's no other book like the Word of God. We thank you that we can read from it and know the very mind, the very heart of yourself. I pray, Lord, today as we read your word that, God, you would speak to us through your word, through your spirit. That, Lord, if be ways in us that we ask the question, is there any wicked way in me? Is there any wicked way in me? Not the person in front of me or behind me or, or in the past or in the future, but, Lord, show me 
areas in my life where I need to change, need to be different. Oh, Spirit of living God, fall fresh upon us this morning as a congregation. May we walk out of this place different than when we came in. I praise these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God often repeats himself. I say it again. God often repeats himself. Not because he has to, but because we need it. Amen. Now, if you're a parent, <laughs> if you're a parent, you understand that quite well. You're often repeating yourself to your children. You've probably said uh, no a million times by the time your kids get out of your house, or it feels like a million times. But God, in his mercy, often repeats himself. In the ministry of Jesus Christ, of course, this is the time where Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem. He's going closer and closer and closer to the cross. His public ministry is pretty much over. Oh, he's going to meet some people. He's going to perform some more miracles, as we're going to look at next week. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna preach some more sermons, some more messages. He's going to hear some great teaching. But it's primarily his focus is on the disciples. He's trying to train them to teach them because he knows ultimately they will be the church. And we are the descendants of the disciples. So he's going to have to teach something to them. What is one of the hardest lessons in life to learn? One of the hardest lessons in life to learn is pride versus humility. Self-promotion, going down the path of self-promotion, or the path of self-denial. Right now, wherever you are in your life, you are going down the self-promotion life of the, the path of self-promotion, trying to make it happen on your own. Or you are going down the path of self-denial. You see it in scripture. The Satan, who, who because of his sin, he had to have it his way, was cast out of heaven because he wanted to be higher than God, above God. We read the book of Isaiah. He was cast out, one-third of all the angels, because he had to have it his way. He wanted it his way. He was a created being, but he thought he was better than the creator. The creation can never be better than the creator. I wish some, some doctors and some teachers in the universities would understand that. Creation is not to be praised. It's the creator who's to be praised. What are we, we, live in a, we live in a generation. It's all about me and self. Focus on me. Love me. Look at me. My intellect. My education, my wealth, my stuff, me. And that's exactly what the devil wants you to do. To be consumed with you. If you are consumed with you, you are going exactly down the path of the devil. It's the path of self-promotion. What can I do? Where can I go? How can I get better, stronger? Not to be a service of other, other people. That's, that's different. But in service of me. That's totally opposite of Jesus, isn't it? The king of kings and lord of lords humbled himself, became the form of a servant. He became like flesh, like we are. He limited himself to the body of a human being and died on a cross. A terrible way to die. Why? So we could have everlasting life.
But just because you mean well doesn't always mean you do well. Amen? <laughs> you, ever, you ever mean to do well? You ever want to do well, but it, it doesn't always work out well? Ladies, you ever cooked a meal you thought it was going to be perfect, and then everybody sat down and said, I didn't like that. Or, man, you ever tried to take your, your family to a special vacation? I mean, a special spot you've been thinking about, been hoping for. You take them, and as soon as they get there, they start complaining about the weather. Man, things don't always work out the way you think it's going to work out. The problem here is the, is the problem that we all struggle with, the problem of pride. What does the Bible say about pride? Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy in the evil way. In the forward mouth, do I hate? Now, whatever God hates, I would try to say, I don't want to be like that. I don't, whatever God hates, when God says he hates something, man, that's why I, I don't want to be like that. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 11, the lofty looks of man shall be humbled, the haughtiness of man shall be bowed down, the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty, and upon everyone that is lifted up and shall be brought low. Backbiters, Romans chapter 1, verse 30, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, Inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Sound familiar? That's the day we live. There is no respect for authority today. Everybody wants to do what's right in their own eyes. In their own eyes. Don't tell me what to do. Oh. Don't tell me what to do. Dear friend, you're going to stand before God. He's going to tell you what to do. That's all pride. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me where to go. Don't listen to instruction. I know better. Oh, my friend, that's, that's pride. That's arrogancy. That's the way of the devil. When you hear yourself saying that, that's exactly what Satan says. What's the, what's the sign of the time? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. Paul writing to Timothy, for men should be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. 2002, 2022 in America. That, those words define us. The opposite is true of humility. Humility is what we should seek after, which we strive after. Proverbs chapter 15, 33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom before honors, humility. Proverbs 18, 12, before destruction, the heart a man is haughty before honors, humility. First Peter 5, 5, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Be clothed. You had to make a choice this morning to put on clothes, and I'm glad you did. But you chose it, right? You chose to wear something that you put on. You know what you have to choose every day? You have to choose to put on humility. You can't just go up there and say, well, I think I'll just wing it. No, no, you can't wing it. you got to ask for it. I need humility today, God. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. These common men, these common struggles. Sometimes even the best of believers, disciples, quarrel, disagree, get frustrated. One wants to be this, one wants to have the front seat, one wants to get the back. One wants to do this, one wants to do the other. This young couple that I married yesterday, I told him, now believe it or not, you're going to have disagreements. Believe it or not. You're going to have to decide how much gator football you're going to actually watch in that house. Brother Travis. 
you're going to have to decide, you know, come Thanksgiving, are we going to Haines City or are we going to go to Gainesville? Then what are we going to do at Christmas? You're going to have to make those decisions. Now, you can get mad at one another and get upset and get all mad, but you're going to have to humble yourselves and submit yourselves one to another, as the Bible says, in the fear of the Lord. Because if you try to have it your way before long, you won't last long. And why do people get divorced all the time? Because they have to have it their way. It's division. Division always happens when people have to have it their way. So what can we learn from this passage about self-promotion and self-denial? First of all, we see this selfish request. And the individuals with this request in Mark chapter 10, verse 35. This is James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Now, in studying this, I learned a little bit about this. Now, in a companion passage, book of Matthew, and it's good to always look at companion passage, we find out that this is not just James and John that's here. Actually, in Matthew, we learn their mother is involved in this. Mother, the, the, mother, the, the, the mother of the sons of thunder, the sons of Zebedee, are involved in this. And she asks, she's a part of this, but Mark's perspective, as we looked at, was really Peter. But Matthew said, the mama's involved in this. And why is the mom so important? Because as I looked at it, at the end, when, when Jesus is there, there's only three women with him at the cross. Mary Magdalene, and then the mother of Jesus Christ, and a third woman. I figured out, I tried to figure out who was that third woman. You know who that third woman is? That third woman is the woman who's we're talking about right here. She's actually the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus. So this is not just two people coming, two disciples coming to ask Jesus. Jesus is actually related. They're cousins. I didn't know that until I studied this out and found that out. So that, that makes it a little bit different. If somebody comes to you and asks something, that's one thing. But if your family member comes to ask you, that's a whole lot different. Because then if, if, your fam- if you say no to your family member, you've got to hear about it for the rest of your life. Oh, you didn't get invited to the reunion. You didn't get the invite. You're out. So these, these relations, James and John, come to him, and they ask a question, a very, very important question. They say, they say, Master, we would that you should do for us whatsoever we shall desire. That sounds pretty immature, isn't it? Sounds like a little kid coming up to you to mommy and daddy and says, now mommy and daddy, we want you to do what we ask you to do. Will you do it? Sounds kind of immature. Sad request. It says, in thy glory. They did recognize that Jesus is the Messiah and one day he would rule upon the earth. But we see the carnality of the interest. That you may sit on one, on one of the right hand and one on the left hand in his glory. They wanted James to sit on one side and John to sit on the other side. You think, well, do people actually do stuff like this? Do people actually try to get self, self-promote themselves and, and be up top and be the first one? Does this ever happen anywhere else in the Bible? Mm, it does. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 13. You can turn it if you want to, but listen to me if you like. The Bible says, And Adonijah, the son of Haggath, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, and she says, comest thou peaceably? He said, peaceably. What's going on here? Give me a little, give you a little context. David the king had just died. David the king had just died. Solomon was on the throne. But the firstborn was not Solomon. It was Adonijah. It was, it was Adonijah. 
So here comes Adonijah asking Bathsheba for a favor. Look what it says in verse 14. He said, Moreover, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And she said, Say on. He said, Thou knowest that the kingdom was mine, that all the Israel set their faces on me, and I should reign. Howbeit the kingdom is turned about and become my brothers, for it, it was his from the Lord. Verse 16, now I ask this one petition, deny me not. Does that sound familiar? Hey, I, I got something to ask me. I got something to ask you now. Don't, don't deny me. Don't say no to me. And she said unto him, say on. Verse 17, and he spake, say, I speak thee unto Solomon the king, for he will not say unto thee. And he, and he give me Abishag the Shumanite to wife. Well, why do he want Abishag? Because Abishag was kind of like a concubine to David right before he died. Bathsheba said, verse 18, well, I, I will speak unto thee unto the king. And Bathsheba therefore went unto the king to speak to him. For Adonijah and the king arose to meet her and bowed down unto, uh, unto himself unto her and sat down on his throne and caused a seat to be set for the king's mother. And she sat on his right, on his right hand, verse 20. And she said, listen to it, listen to these words. I desire one small petition of thee, I pray thee, say me not nay. Don't say no. Let me have my way before I even ask you a question. I want you to have me my have me my way. Say me not nay. What does he do? And the king said unto her, Ask on, my mother, for I will not say thee nay. And she said, Let Abishag the Shudamite be given unto Adonijah thy brother to wife. What does Solomon say? Solomon says, Do you want the kingdom too? <laughs> do you want him to have the kingdom too? He knew what was going on. What well, all this was about, it was about manipulation. Adonijah was trying to go around the way to find himself as the king of Israel and ultimately Judah. You say this stuff happens in, in countries, in politics, yea, in churches, in churches. The ignorance of the request, secondly, the ignorance of the request. Jesus said to them, ye know not what ye ask. They know not what ye ask. Could they grasp what they were asking? For them to be on the right hand and the left side, they were ignorant of the principles of the kingdom. The principles of the principle of the kingdom is not trying to manipulate. That's not the that's not the way of God. The principle of the kingdom is said, "No, I, I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you. I'm more intelligent than you. I should be first. No, the principle of the kingdom is not to be self is not to self promote yourself to get your own way, to fix it." To have a good old boy system where you know me and I know you and because you know me, I'll get in, right? That's the way of the world. That's how things happen down here, right? It's not oftentimes what you know, it's who you know. That's how things work down here. But Jesus said that's not how the kingdom of God works at all. That's totally different how things work out here. It's not about flattery. It's not about fixing the situation. It's not about making it happen. It's not about self-promotion. Then he says, the second thing they're ignorant of is not only the principles of the kingdom, but the price of the kingdom. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? Now, when he's talking about this baptism, he's not talking about baptism or like a baptismal pool. Baptism, the root of it means to be placed under. That's, where, that's why we are Baptists. We believe you are placed under the water. We don't pour water on you when you get baptized. We don't sprinkle water on you when you get baptized. We place you in the water. We don't keep you there very long and bring you back up. What Jesus was saying was not talking about baptism after salvation. He was talking about you're going to go under, under some persecution. 
You're going to go under some struggle. You're going to go through, if you want to follow me, if you want to follow the, the, the right path, you're going to go under some pain, some difficulty. Now, anybody who's focused on themselves, the last thing they want to do is suffer. Oh, I don't want to suffer. Oh, suffer? Man, it's too hot to go on visitation. Preacher, do you know it's 98 degrees outside? Yeah. I'd rather pass out a track and tell them about Jesus so they don't go somewhere somewhere hotter. Amen. Uh, it's going to be hot down at those Gator games, passing out those tracks about Jesus. If we just saw one person saved from a billion tracks, it'd be worth it. One person from a billion tracks we passed out, it'd be worth it. He said, preacher, man, those folks in the nursing home, they don't hear a whole lot. Folks, if one of them came to Christ and they already have, it'd be worth every time they go down to the nursing home. If one kid came for, during the youth worship time or the vacation Bible school, if one of them heard the gospel and got saved, no matter how much time we put into it, that doesn't matter as much as what the, the end result. What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and loses his own soul? What matters is that soul being saved. But a, first, a person who's self-focused always think about the cost. Oh, it's going to cost me so much. It's going to be so painful. It's going to be so difficult. It's going to be so hard. And so what Jesus asked them, can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? Jesus is going to have to die. If he doesn't die, we can't be saved. What was he saying to them? Really, James and John, can you really suffer like I'm going to be suffering? Can you really give up everything, your will, your desire, your dreams, your plans, everything? Are you really, really willing to do that? See, this, the first problem was, with pride is just self-promotion. Pride causes us to promote ourselves, to focus on self. The second problem with pride is not just self-promotion, it's self-confidence. Then as they say, they say, can you drink of the cup and drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? And they said, we can. We can. That's the problem with self-confidence. Psalm 118.8, is better to trust in the Lord and put confidence in man. Psalm, Ephesians 3.12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, brethren, I count not myself to apprehend it. Who is this? Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle, who probably the greatest Christian that ever lived, who wrote much of the New Testament, says, I've not figured it out yet. Now, if Paul the Apostle hasn't figured it out, how can I say I figured it out? He said, I've not apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. What's he say? I can do it all. I can do it all. I have all this knowledge. I have all this intellect. I have all these gifts. No, he says, I can do all things through Christ strengthens me if you think you can do it dear friend God in his mercy will show you you can't because the best thing for us to do as Christians sometimes is to fall right on our face and say I can't you're right you can't but God through God in you working through you can do anything but if you think you can do it go out there and try it Go out there and see if it, what, make it happen. Figure it out. Manipulate it. Fix it. You'll fall on your face. I remember when I was a kid, I watched all those Tarzans, you know. You remember I watched Tarzan when I was a kid? You know, watched it. I saw him swinging from tree to tree and all that stuff. 
So a friend of mine across the way had a, had a, had a swing on a tree. I thought, man, i just jump up there and do what Tarzan does. You know, jump on that thing. Yeah, woo! And I'll just slide down that thing. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. I jumped on that thing. I jumped up on those handlebars on that rope. I got about two seconds from that thing. Boom! Tarzan hit ground. That ground was hard. <laughs> I said, I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> you ever done that in life? Oh, I think I'm going to try this. I'm, I, I, you don't pray about it. You don't, you don't ask anybody about it. You don't ask anybody about it. You think, I'll just go out there and do that thing. And you find yourself, you say you find yourself looking straight up at the stars and thinking to yourself, that was the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. But that was probably the best lesson, best lesson that you ever learned in your life. Success, dear friend, is not always God's will for your life. Sometimes failure is the best lesson in your life. If you look at it from the right perspective. Letter D, they were inconsistent in their request. They were confident. We can. The cup and baptism. Talking about not these literal things, but realizing the terrific cost of it. Remember Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, let this cup pass from me. He's not talking about a literal cup. He's not talking about a real, a, a, a real chalice. He's talking about this suffering, this pain, this difficulty. Let it pass from me. They said confidently, we can, we can. How does Jesus, how does Jesus respond? You shall indeed, verse 39, you shall indeed drink of the cup which I drink of, and the baptism which I am baptized, you withal shall be baptized. And he was speaking prophecy. James, in the book of Acts, will be the first first disciple to die he will be beheaded for the cause of christ john will be the last disciple to die for christ on the isle of patmos bookends james and john they would both die for jesus christ jesus was proclaiming prophecy james would die and john would die we see the inability of their request, verse 40. But to sit on my right hand and my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. Even Jesus himself, who is the King of kings and Lord of lords, says, this is not up to me. It's up to the Father. What a great example. Jesus didn't say, well, I tell you, I tell you exactly where you're going to be, James and John. He said, no, that's not up to me, James and John. That's up to the Father. That's up to the Father. So we see the selfish request and the sudden reaction. How do the rest of the disciples, how do, they, how do they like that? Look at verse 41. And the ten heard it and began to be much displeased with James and John. <laughs> they got mad. If you look at the scene, they're all gathered together. Here comes Mama, the Mama of James and John. And, and, and Mama with James and John says, hey, we want to be first and we want to be first and second. And how do they respond? They get upset. They get upset because they want it themselves. Their self is just like them. They just hadn't asked first. They're just not related like these folks are. We see their anger. Then we see their attitude. Their attitude was not love. Oh, you guys go ahead and do it. It was lust. They were furious. They were spiritually offended. But the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, let nothing be done out of strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let, let each esteem other better than themselves. Philippians chapter 2, 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. 
So in being con- instead of being consumed with what you want, James and John, instead of being consumed with what you want, you rest of the you disciples, you should be consumed with what does the Lord want. And that's the third problem with pride. It always brings out the worst of our natures, the competitive spirit. Now, one thing to be competitive is a good thing. But when competition puts the other person down or hurts, hurts another person because it's all about pride, what I get, what I want, and not about the other person and what God wants, it's always wrong. Self-promotion, self-confidence, competition are all part of pride. So we see the selfish request, the sudden reaction. But how does the Savior respond? Look at it. We see, first of all, the rejection of the worldly greatness. They which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. So it shall be among you. What's he saying? You see how the Romans rule? You see how the Gentiles rule? They're all about their authority and who's better and, 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 and who knows who and who's the Caesar and who's in charge. They're all about that kind of stuff. Who's the greatest? Who's the strongest? Who's the most talented? Who can speak the best? Who's the greatest? That's what they're all about. Whoever's the best person, they're the person that gets to rule, as they deem it so. That's how they do. They, they, they exercise lordship over them and, and exercise authority upon them. That's the way the world rules it. We see the rejection of the world of greatly worldliness, but the requirements of true greatness. Whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. That word minister means to be a servant. It's not about who's the greatest, the most powerful, the smartest, the noblest, the most educated, the richest. It's not about any of those things. It's not about the outward. It's about the inward. The world focuses on the outward. Remember David? Remember Samuel? They tried to call the next king after Saul was going to be at this throne. And Jesse comes before all the brothers, and he looks at these brothers. They all look good. They're all soldiers. They're all handsome. He says, man, this looks like the next king, or that guy looks like the next king. What does God say? Don't look, look, don't look at their outward appearance, but look at their heart. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. It's not what you see. All that glitters is not gold. It's not what you see. It's what the internal is. What's the heart of the matter? Who shall be great among you? Let him be your minister, your servant. Who shall be chiefest shall be servant of all. Who is the greatest? The greatest is the one who's willing to die to themselves and serve other people. That's the greatest. The greatest is not with a person who has the most toys. The greatest is the person that, that is the most educated or, more, or the most intellect or has the best personality or has the most charm, or has the most charisma, or has the most talent, or has the most money. That's not the greatest. In God's economy, the greatest is the lowest. Is the lowest. And we see the representative of true greatness. For the Son of Man came not to be ministered to. He didn't come, born of the Virgin Mary, from the Holy Spirit, and say, you guys come worship me. Worship me, praise me. No, remember after every miracle he'd say, don't tell nobody, don't tell nobody, don't tell nobody. He'd, he'd heal somebody. Somebody be lame, he'd heal them. Don't tell, don't tell. Now's not the time, don't tell. He came not to be worshipped. He came to die. The only reason why Jesus came was to die. 
We talked about it the other day. Most people came to live, to be heroes, to be great. But Jesus didn't come to be great. He came to die so we could be great. So we could be great. We give God the glory. Even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister, give his life a ransom for many. We see the position of his coming. He was a minister. This idea here, minister, the same word we use for deacon. We see the purpose of his coming, to give his life a ransom for many. Why did he come? To die so that we could have life. So that we could have life. We see the selfish request, the sudden reaction, but the Savior responds. I wonder today, as I asked the question at the beginning of the sermon, are you going down the path of self-promotion? Is life really all about you? Well, you got to be honest with yourself. Or are you living a life of self-denial? It's not about me. It's about him. Dear friend, all of us, if we're honest, struggle with this. Pride is a sin which we all stumble in. The question is, do you recognize it in your life? Do you see it? Are you struggling? Are you regularly having to go before other people and admit you're wrong? That's a hard thing to do. It's hard to go to Angie Goosey and say, I was wrong about that TV show. I shouldn't have watched that. I shouldn't have seen that. Yes, you were right about that person. I was wrong about that person. It's hard to admit I failed. It's hard to admit you failed. Oh, because we want to be right. <laughs> we want to be right. We don't want to be wrong. Me wrong. I don't want to be wrong. We want to be right. We won't even lie about being wrong. Well, it kind of was right. It kind of was. It's just how you see it, you know. Man, you good know, you, you know good and well you were wrong. You just don't want to admit it. You don't want to say, I was wrong. That's the hardest three words in the, in the whole world to say. No, dear friends, that's the best words you, words you can say. If you're a married couple and if you're not going to each other at least a couple times a week and admitting you're wrong, you're probably struggling in your relationship. Because it wasn't take for two people to stand up here and say, I'm going to be committed to you till death do us part. There's going to be a whole lot of times where you got to admit you're wrong. <laughs> oh, dear, I was going down this road, and I really thought I'd make it. But after about four hours of driving down this road, I realized I was wrong. I should have listened to you about three and a half hours ago. I, I, I'm fixing this meal for you. And, and, and I, I really want you to eat it. I really want you to eat it. But he done told you, lady, about four times ago he didn't like that. You're you going to keep on fixing it? Even though you said, well, it's good for him. It might be good for him, but he ain't eating it. Now, he's not a kid where he has to eat all his greens anymore, okay? He don't have to finish his plate, ladies. He's a man. Amen? Well, he probably should. Okay, he should, but don't, you're not his mama. Amen? Somebody say amen. <laughs> amen. Who's right? Who's wrong? Will you humble yourself? Will you humble yourself? So, dear friend, any relationship you have, if you're not willing to humble yourself, you'll lose that relationship. That goes for your marriage relationships. 
That goes for your work relationship. You can't always be right. You can't always be right in work, right? You're going to make mistakes. You may have been there 10, 15, 20 years. You're liable to make mistakes at work because you're not the person with all knowledge, right? Man, I've studied the Bible, studied the Bible, studied the Bible, and and I found it this week that Mary had a sister who was a sister. I never heard that in my life. I never studied that. I never seen it. There's stuff I'm still learning from the scriptures, and I got a, two degrees in the thing. So what God's, what's God continually trying to teach me? Marty, you don't know everything. I don't know everything. And that's good. Because this is the authority. This is the authority. I'm just a messenger telling you what it says. Oh, dear friend, we all need a dose of humility every once in a while to admit we're wrong. Because if we don't do, if we don't do that, we get divided. And God doesn't want us to divide. He wants to develop us. Because we must recognize that we're different. Everybody in this room is different, right? Some, some love blue this morning. Some love black. Some love brown. Some love gray. Some, we got some Gator fans in this room, Amen. We got a few Seminole fans in this room, amen. We got a few Gator fans in this room, amen. We even got a few Tiger fans in this room, amen. Tiger. We got a few Wildcats in this fan in this room. Now we could have a just about brawl. Who's the best? The Gators. We yeah, yes, we can be different. We can be different. God wants to develop us. God wants to develop us. So we'll be discerning. So we'll be discipled. So we'll grow together in unity. I read about a young lady. Her name was Adelaide Pollard. Adelaide Pollard. What a name. Her parents gave her the name Sarah, but she didn't like the name Sarah. She went back to Adelaide. She was born in Ohio in the Civil War. And after going to college at Boston School of Oratory, which is now Emerson College. She moved to Chicago to teach in a girls' school. She got caught up in some religious movements in her life. She followed some well-known uh, preachers of that day. But eventually, she believed God had called her to be a missionary to Africa. But God didn't let her go to Africa. She was discouraged. She was defeated. She wanted to give up. And she went to a prayer meeting at a church one night, and a lady prayed, An elderly lady prayed this prayer. It doesn't matter what you bring into our lives, Lord. Just have your own way. And that thought kept ringing in her mind. Have thine own way. Have thine own way. Have thine own way. And she went to the room. And she wrote down these words. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. She went to the mission field, came back to America, and for the rest of her life, she served Jesus. 
that she had to die for her way. Are you willing to die your way today? Oh, I want to do. I'd like to. I think I should. Maybe that's exactly what you should do. But have you asked Jesus about it? Or are you trying to do this on your own? I, 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 the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to you? Are you sure you're not going your way or God's way? Well, friend, are you going down the path of self-promotion? What I'm going to do? Or are you going down the path of self-denial? What does God want me to do? Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for the failures in life. Thank you for the flops. Thank you that we often find ourselves on our back looking up into the stars, wondering why in the world we ever did that. We thank you that you say no. We thank you that you say not now. We thank you that you humble us because we are often proud. We have to have it our way. Oh, God, I pray that you speak to our hearts and help us to be honest. May we not think about that person in front of us, behind us, or the person back home, or person we're related to who should have heard this message, know when we ask the question, Lord, how about me? Am I consumed with me and my way, my, me, me, me doing my own thing, or should I really be asking God what would he have me to do? May we say, in all honesty, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. And friend, the only way to do that is first to know Christ as your Savior. Would you honestly say today that if I died today, I have no doubt in my mind I'd go to heaven. I have no doubt in my mind. There's been a time and a place that you know, you can specifically talk about or you know that happened in your life where you recognize the fact that you're a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. But God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, we're sinners. We can't save ourselves. But Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed his blood, was raised the third day so we could be saved. Not by what we do, but what Christ has done for us. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you done that in your life? All honesty, I know today that I'm saved. I was a sinner, and I asked Jesus Christ to save me. Now, if you didn't do that, dear friend, you're in the most desperate of situations because you're a hair's breast from hell. And God does not want you to go to hell. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come repentance. He wants everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that knowledge of the truth is salvation and salvation in Christ alone, who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. Do you know Christ is your Savior? Say, preacher, to be all honest, if I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven, but I want to. I am not sure I'd go to heaven, but I want to. Would you pray for me? Anybody at all? Anybody at all? I'm not sure. I have doubts. I have concerns. But really, I want to go to heaven more than anything in the world. I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. Would you pray for me, preacher? I won't embarrass you, but I would love to pray for you.